not sure how this discussion is going to go. I don't have a strong feeling of yeah. how much content I don't either. we have. I know. We can... But I say that, and then... Yes, and then in right. nine hours... We're and then Meredith scoffs, and then... <laughs> <laughs> we can have a short episode every once in a while. Yeah, we can go an hour and 15. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's just Meredith's fault that we always get two hours. <laughs> yes, it is. Four score and seven years ago, and I don't remember the rest, but I think Abraham Lincoln would agree, being a leader kind of blows. From the LBJ Studios in Austin, Texas, I'm Hillary Livingston Butler. I can't steer this ship alone, so joining me from the uh, Millard Fillmore Studios in Delmar, New York, it's Bobby Pape. Oh, there's actually a lot of connections to Millard Fillmore in my life, but we're not going to get into it right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and from the Amy Klobuchar Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, it's Anne Lenaholm. Hi, Anne. Seriously? <laughs> you're going to Amy Klobuchar I, me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know your mom is a fan, and so is my dad. I, That's I true. About That's the, true. I, you know, she just, she just, unfortunately, I was like, wasn't there, I, I know there were more people that ran from Minnesota. They just had uh-huh. one, so she was just the uh-huh. most recent one that came to mind. <laughs> Walter Mondale? <laughs> Yes, I know. I remember, uh, like, going when I was a kid. Sorry, side note real quick. Real quick tangent. I went to a Walter Mondale and, um, what's her face, Geraldine Ferraro, um, like, a little thing in 1984. It was one of my first political memories. And my parents were really sad when it was like, this is not going to turn out how you want it to. Did I ever tell you that my grandpa ran against Walter Mondale for the Senate? No. What? Yep. He was the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. I mean, wow. they knew they weren't going to win. It was Walter Mondale. Yeah, <laughs> but they had to like have a... something, so it was my grandpa. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I mean, you know. Uh-huh. Sucks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> okay. As usual, this is going to be a loose show. We'll do some small talk. <laughs> Whatever makes you talk. say that. <laughs> TG recommends. And how you can get involved with the show. Um, Bobby, take us into small talk. Sorry, I'm still just thinking about wanting to to defend the honor of Walter Mondale now. <laughs> so I had an interesting experience last night, and I wanted to share it. I have a, I guess work friend is the right way to put it, a, a, a donor and friend uh, of mine and of the symphonies uh, who is... 80 and i know because i arranged music for her 80th birthday party a few months ago oh and she is oh you arranged uh, you didn't arrange like compositionally arranged right no like you, I, you, I put together the musicians who yeah, played you, at her you 80th catered birthday party. the music right yes. okay yeah, exactly i didn't yeah. yeah exactly how's the canapé and uh how's the etude yeah um i i brought musicians to her party anyway so uh ronnie her name uh ronnie uh i found out recently has a hobby that i've wanted to get into for years and years and years 
Uh, I always assumed that after uh, uh, after years of people making their own beer and a few people making their own liquor and things like that, that that artisanal hipster people getting bored with that and pickles and mustaches would start making their own coffee, like roasting their own coffee. But it never seems to have caught on. I just assumed that eventually there would be like a whole cult of this and that it would be accessible and that I would love to do that. I mean, it's too bad Christy's not here because I assume that's everybody in Seattle roasts their own coffee. Well, obviously, right? Yeah. So I found out that Ronnie roasts her own coffee. And so I texted her and I said, Ronnie, uh, you need to invite me over to teach me how to make how to roast coffee. And sure enough, she was all about it, and she did. So we went out to happy hour last night and had several drinks. And Bobby then we went, went back to happy to hour house. with an 80-year-old lady. This is the <laughs> oh, best thing ever. I can't it's, even wait a minute. It's I, the most Bobby story ever. First of all, Ronnie can hold her liquor. And if she hears this or anybody I work with hears this, you know this. So we go to this little place that does um, like seafood and has a great whiskey bar not far from her house. And... Uh, she's already got a glass of wine there. I get there early. She's already at the bar with a glass of wine, introducing me to the restaurant manager the minute I walk in because they're friends. And we have some appetizers and we're striking up a conversation with the people next to us. She's one of those people who makes a friend with everyone she sees. Mm -hmm. And it's just wonderful. Um, And uh, just she's the life of the party. She's a real spitfire like Dottie from the state abbreviations bit. Uh, she just, you wouldn't know she's 80. Like, I'm sitting with her. We're talking to people. Somebody asks her age uh, in context. Of, I, know, like, I think they, they went to the same school, so it wasn't like a blunt, rude thing. Like, it was doing some backwards math on what class she was in. And uh, she says she's 80. I'm, I'm, I'm mildly stunned momentarily until I remember that, in fact, I was at her 80th birthday party. So anyway. Where are you catered she, to music? She's a rock star. And so then we go back to her house, open a bottle of wine, continue to drink. I mean, and she's this, this sounds like the most romantic date. <laughs> Sorry, and Sam. She's got this. She's got this machine, this contraption that's like the size of a large toaster oven, but the insides looks like a rotisserie, and it's a round cage that looks like bingo balls could be in it or something. Oh, so it tumbles but, the coffee. But beans? it tumbles the coffee beans, and the thing gets just really fucking hot. And you have to make sure it's really clean so nothing catches fire. And then you dump a pound of green beans, uh, you know, fresh coffee beans, into it. You can order them and they're shelf-stable for a long time when they're green. Interesting. You throw them in there and it just roasts them for like 15 minutes and then it ventilates it. It pulls air through it to cool it off for another 15 minutes. And then it's this beautiful fresh roasting coffee. I'm super excited. I haven't brewed any yet because you're supposed to let it sit for a couple of days after you roast it. So I'm waiting, but tomorrow morning, I'm going to pull my first espresso shot of the coffee I helped roast. And the process completely wasn't that complicated. It was mainly the half an hour of drinking and staring at the thing to make sure it doesn't catch, (laughs) you know, blow up. So Uh, that's one that you don't turn it on and then leave to run an errand? Yeah, we specifically discussed that. She was very clear that you have to stay nearby. It sounds like the beginning of popcorn, like when the first few kernels pop, it reaches a cracking phase where you just hear in the thing because they expand a little bit when when they're roasted i i just completely blown away by the whole process and now i Hmm. want one of these 500 hundred dollar contraptions so that i can pay more to roast my own coffee so how big is a batch one pound 
oh. in this in this thing because it's not that big. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, when I was a young, impressionable college student who liked hanging out in the commissary instead of doing my job when I worked at Spa Coffee, I would go over to the side where they roasted the coffee and did all the baking and they would be doing, you know, 20 pounds, 30 pounds at a time with this big roaster. And that was cool. But this is like, I could do this at home. Mm-hmm. Now, now I want one. So if anybody wants to, last time I wanted a kitchen gadget, Will bought it for me after I mentioned it on the show. So Will, <laughs> I need it's a, a $500 Will. <laughs> countertop coffee roaster. So what's the comparison of buying, what's like the price on buying a pound of green beans versus a pound of pre-roasted beans? I actually have no idea. I'm sure it's the kind of thing where buying them in bulk makes it cheaper. She gave me the label from the green bean bag to to check it out, but I haven't investigated it yet. I'm, I'm Googling that. You'll hear my yeah. live keyboard. Where to buy green coffee beans? I don't care, though, because it's mainly the process. Like, pouring them out into a bowl after they've cooled off a little, putting my hands in them and just smelling them. I even ate a few because they tasted good. Like, they were actually really good. Like, I don't usually like chocolate-covered coffee beans, but these ones I would totally do. Hmm. Yeah. Start growing out your mustache now. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't know what else goes on. I don't know what's a hipster ad- like uniform anymore. But I don't know. Uh, yeah, because we're all wearing flannel and dressing overly <laughs> yeah, proper. Exactly. And... <laughs> exactly. Three pound oh, single origin unroasted green coffee beans from Nicaragua for $21 on Amazon. Yeah, that sounds about right. I'm looking That's at the, it. what is it called? It's coffeebeancorral.com Oh sure, they're it, the leading authority in corrals. Of course, it looks like somewhere between 5 and 9 bucks per oh, pound, yeah. I would assume this And here is. we go, Sweet Maria's. This is where she got the beans we used last night. And it looks like they're in the 7 to 8 dollar a pound range. Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. seems about That's what you'd pay for roasted beans in the grocery store except these ones haven't been sitting roasted getting stale for months. Which Ooh. is very exciting. There's some Ethiopian beans here for eight fifty, which seems reasonable. They have to come from Ethiopia. Yeah, it's a bit of a schlub. Oh, interesting. I would love it if you would do some comparative testing, get like different yeah. coffee varietals, and see how, how differently they roast and taste. Since so, oh my god, you, how, can old guys become hipsters? Because that's <laughs> quite a contradiction, Bobby. I think you've, um, you're just, you're asking what the next chapter of TBTL is going to cover. So yeah, anyway, I am now, uh, I want to be a coffee roaster. That's going to be my thing. I'm not going to smoke meat and I'm not going to collect vinyl or read any more Clive Cussler. My thing is going to be roasting coffee. Does Sam like the smell of coffee? Yeah, I mean, she's okay the one who bought me the espresso machine, and oh, then I promptly okay. went out and bought a grinder to go with it that was the same price as the espresso machine. I'm just uh, thinking for myself, like, I don't drink coffee. I don't really like coffee. Like, I don't hate the smell of it, but I think I would get tired of it if it was in my house. So yeah, as long as she's okay with coffee. Yeah, I do think I would ventilate this thing uh, more Ronnie did not have any doors or windows open, and it does really make the whole house smell like coffee for a few minutes, but I'm okay with that. So mm-hmm. is she, so it wasn't a problem, but yeah. Oh, and she's a, she's fancy and well-off. It's a very, very nice house. 
but this toy, this this thing is in the back. She's got a a, a mudroom where she does this so that it doesn't make her whole kitchen get flooded with coffee smoke. Whoa, Makes sense. Honey. Yeah, I want to meet Ronnie. Uh, everyone should meet Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> come, come to Albany, and I'll introduce you to, to Ronnie. Well, to Troy, really. All right, cool. Happy to do it. That's my uh, adventure. You, cool. Hillary, have your own adventure here. I did. I um, I put it here. I got asked to the big dance. Um, Ooh, for mm, Valentine's Day. I did. This was my big Valentine's Day adventure, or as Bridget still says, Valentine's. And I'm like, girl, you can read. Why do? You, why are you using an M there? But okay. Um, because so, boys love girls who need to be corrected. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, she loves to be corrected. Trust me, it's her favorite thing in the world. Um, no, we. Um, the school held a big sweetheart dance and it was for every grade and anyway I had bought tickets for it but they said oh it's like it's not a drop off parents have to come at least one parent has their guardian has to come to it so uh, Rory, I don't know I have no idea it seemed kind of weird because I think because there were so many kids that they wanted to have coverage they had a fifth grade dance um, around Halloween and it was a drop off thing and I, I don't know if there was just like a number of kids a number of parents i don't know i mean um, isn't that why they have chaperones yes i i don't honestly really because it was like weirdly kind of half parents half kids the parents all standing back except okay so i did buy a ticket <laughs> for i did buy tickets for rory and i said do you want to go i just they were five dollars and i said do you want to go and he was like no is it the as we were going do you want to go no i'm not interested in going okay fine so bridget and i went and she was super excited it was so funny though because it's starting to be the you know when kids are younger they play with girls and boys play together not a big deal because they just don't really now as they get older it's the girls are on one side, boys are on the other side. and they're, But they're both dancing. They're just not dancing with each other. They're just like in their separate little pods dancing. Ew, it was gross. Disgusting. I mean, they basically were like, Ugh, that person is so gross, like laughing. I'm like, don't laugh at people. But I, most of the parents were off standing to the side. A couple of parents were in a quiet room, which understand because it was really loud. Like I, I went around the corner and the, the band room was just like the quiet room that you could go sit in if you needed quiet. Um, but I, of course, if I recognized a song, I was dancing. And Bridget was, she says she was mortified. I think she liked it. <laughs> I mean, that's the theory that I'm going with. But it was it, like if it was Taylor Swift, the moms were definitely dancing. And there was a time where they were playing Party in the USA where I would say it was 75% moms dancing. And then the kids were all just kind of like shoveling around, not really dancing. We were like, this is our music. Um, there when were did co- Party in the USA come out? I mean, it was before I had kids because I know I sang it at karaoke before I had kids because, as I always like to say, I like a raspy voice lady. And Miley definitely is. Um yeah. I feel like maybe it was like 2010, 2011. Just thinking about this because I'm thinking about when we were kids, what that song would have been like doing Hmm. the the date backing. So like if I was at a school dance in the mid nineties, yeah, then it would have been something that came out in like 84, 85, like Madonna or something. Yeah. For me, I think maybe it would have been like some disco or maybe the Bee Gees or something. 2009 maybe- for Party in the USA. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, anyway, it was actually, I had a really good time. The, this is, 
Okay, as we always say, I am an extrovert, but there is a time in my like, time of the night that I shut down, and it's with a lot of interaction with people that I don't really know. I can play the part, and I can talk to people, you know, float around, make conversation. At the end of the night, though, I was like, I'm so tapped out. I really, I'm hungry. I want a glass of wine. Bridget, let's go to Kirby Lane. I know it's open. I know it won't be busy. I can, there's a salad there that I really like. And I was like, let's just go there. And she's like, okay, great. That'll be fun. So we're about to leave. And she said, Jordan's coming with us. And Jordan's her best friend, which is fine. And I really like Jordan's mom a lot, but Jordan's mom wasn't the chaperone with her. It was her dad. And okay. I like her dad is nice. Like there's nothing wrong with her dad. He's a nice guy. But I, I was at that point where I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody right now. Like I want to sit there you could have my phone and I just like stare into the middle distance. So instead it was Bridget, Jordan, Jordan's little sister, me and this guy, Chad. And again, Oh nice no, guy. not a Chad. <laughs> he's very much not a Chad. Like that's his name, but he's not, a, he did not want to talk, which is fine. I mean, I was, we were sitting next to each other in a booth, which felt weird, oh. but I was like, so where are you from? <laughs> and he was like, I'm from this place in Texas. Oh, okay, cool. Did you lose power? Because that's like the conversation you have with everybody in Austin these days. Oh, yeah, we lost power for about five days. And then it was kind of done. It was like, but I could feel myself just kind of like crumpling. Like, why? (laughs) You know when you just don't want to talk to anybody anymore? You don't want to be on. You just want to be the blah self that you naturally are. That was that was me. That was my feelings on Friday night. Though the party was fun. The kids were cute. And you're really now starting to see, hmm, how do I put this politely? Like how some kids look like they're 17 and some kids look like they're eight. It's mm-hmm. and now that that's fan, like there are girls and not that like you, I'm sure in fifth grade you were much taller than a lot of kids and then there are kids that are like four or five and you're like I'm five seven and Mm -hmm. I'm you know it was it was you're starting to see those differences certain people are developing in different ways Mm -hmm. and there's always those boys who look like they should be on the monkey bars still (laughs) yes (laughs) and the ones that you're like is he shaving yet what's going on there yeah no it was the fifth grade, especially, it's just such an odd, it's such an odd time for kids. Cause I mean, I even sang to Bridget the other day when we were trying to pick out a dress. I was like, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Oh, no. One, she didn't, she, she didn't know what that song was. And two, she was like, stop singing at Target. Please stop singing right now. <laughs> but it is that sort of weirdo time where they're like little kids, but also, uh, I don't know. Puberty is weird. It's just Please weird. stop singing at Target. Could be a show title. <laughs> and just um, for some reference here, I pulled up the Billboard Year End Hot 100 singles for 1979. I figured mm. that was a good kind of middle ground for yeah. what our parents would be embarrassing us with in middle or, yeah, you know, like thereabouts. The Eagles, maybe? Well, so the number one song of 1979 was the Knack's My Sharona. Oh, God, I hate that song. song. And I can picture a mom getting out there dancing to... It's such a gross song. The the only way I would dance to it is because I would do, like, a Reality Bites version of it, like, where I'm dancing (laughs) like they do. But, like, it's a gross song. Well, you've got Bad Girls, Donna Summer. You've got The Freak from Chic. Do you think I'm sexy? Rod Stewart and Reunited, Peaches and Herb. Okay. And I will survive is six. So like, oh, and well, hot stuff that's... is seven. So Donna Summer really in in the. Is, but like, 
So pick one of those and be the mom who's on the dance floor for that while you're standing there horrified that Kathleen is out there dancing. Do you think that the moms got out there to disco, though? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Or would it be like uh, like a little Rick Springfield? Oh, God. I love Rick Springfield. Sure. I don't that's, know when, when Jesse's Girl came out, but it was like, like early, Dave's mid-80s, right? Number, yeah, it was. I think, yeah, it was like 82 or something. But that doesn't seem to be like, like were we bopping along to that when we were six I feel or like, 10? I, I feel like whatever? what it would be, it, what they would play is like... Um, oh, I got it here. Shake Your Groove thing came out that year. Oh, God, I hate that <laughs> I mean, <song>. come on. <laughs> I feel like it would be like a fifties like song or something, you know what I mean? Or, or, um, Motown or something like that. Mm. Just cause I feel like those are things that they play, even though, you know, it might be out of time a little bit. I feel like they would play that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. or it could have been Michael Jackson. Everyone yeah. went for Michael Jackson. I have a distinct memory of being like six years old and jumping on my parents' bed listening to beat it over and over and over again. <laughs> Mom, I jumped on your bed. <laughs> Sorry. Let's, let's not let that be the outro music. <laughs> no, no. Hey, what's okay. wrong with beat it? No, well, it's, you know, it's an art artist conversation. That's always a challenge. Oh, um, I think, well, yes, the Michael Jackson conversation is complicated. Yeah, it is very complicated. Yeah. I do remember my dad being like, and my parents, besides the Rolling Stones, my parents really did not listen. And my, like my mom listened to fifties music and like Barbara Streisand and Carly Simon and like NPR and my dad like the Rolling Stones and but like I remember him looking at Michael Jackson and be like the talented kid. <laughs> <laughs> what about some like um, earlier Elton John? The parents oh, yeah. have gotten into that, right? Yeah. Yes, maybe. You know, the problem with my parents had is that they just had kids too young, so they were like out of the market of mm-hmm. uh, popular things at. In the late 60s, early 70s. So they kind of yeah. had like limited um, awareness of stuff. I mean, yeah, my parents a- were never really into pop music. So it's like, no, I have absolutely no idea what it would be for them. if It wasn't classical. I know my parents. Yeah. Barbara, 50s and like sports talk radio. That's what we in NPR. <laughs> that's what we listen to. <laughs> also, another thing that is like kids these days, but. If I ever tried to change the radio station in my parents' car, they would be oh like, what do, you, "What do you think you're? What do you think you're doing?" Well, first of all, I didn't sit in the front. Like, I would never sit in the front unless I was the only other person in the car with the driver because um, it was always like the well, the adult sat in the front or the oldest sibling sat in the front. Right, it's I never hierarchy. did. Yeah, but uh, if I ever changed the station, I mean, absolutely. Even now, I'm like changing the station. I'm like, what do you think you're doing? I guess my philosophy is he who controls the wheel controls the radio. Agree. Agree. And if you're going to, if you want to do it differently, you have to get explicit permission from the driver. Mm -hmm. Yep. I know. Now it's with Bridget. I mean, she can be sort of bossy about it, but she likes to take my phone and look at TikToks or whatever while I'm driving, which is fine. So I, she's like, will you turn on the radio? Because if I have the Bluetooth on, then it'll start playing whatever fucking dumb YouTube that she's watching or um, TikTok that she's watching about NCIS or Outer <laughs> Banks or whatever. And, <laughs> and so I just listen to the radio now and that's fine. I can control that. And I've even been like listening to NPR and she doesn't notice cause she's consumed with whatever bullshit is on the screen. Yay. I'm such a good mom. Um, 
Anyway, that's small talk. So you danced your heart out? I did. I did. To a bunch of children. Yeah. I embarrassed my child, but whatever. She liked it. And she liked it. We had fun. I'm a hip mom. I'm a cool mom. I am. There it is. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. Bobby? Can you can you that... take your cool mom self over to the mailbag, Hillary? I mean, is that fresh roasted coffee I smell, or is it a whiff of delusion? <laughs> Let me have this. Okay. I'm going to take us to the mailbag. Uh, we did not get any mail, but we had some Facebook answers uh, to what is like your, uh, what was the wording? What is your idea of a terrible date? Uh, we had just a few, but they were pretty funny. Alicia says, being drafted into an activity you did not sign up for. When I was in my 20s, I went on a few dates with a guy who uh, was one of those adult softball teams that (laughs) took themselves way too seriously. I went to a game, and they were down a player. Oh, my God. So he turned to me and said, when's the last time you swung a bat? It was quite literally the stuff of stress dreams. (laughs) Oh, Oh. no. I'm I'm opting out of that. (laughs) Absolutely not. I one time joined a company softball because they were like, we need girls. Will you join it? And I thought it was just like... I don't know. We hit the bath around a little bit and then we go, go drink. drink. Yeah. And it was, they took it. Wait, you always get those stupid competitive guys that maybe played like high school baseball and they take it way too seriously. And I can swing a bat, but I am definitely scared of the ball in the like catching a fly ball sense. Like I am amazed when Bridget is out there doing it. I am way too petrified and I hated it. I would always call out sick for it, which I don't like doing, but I was like, I, I'm too stressed out about this. I can't be counted on. Ugh. Alicia, I'm sorry. That stinks. Um, Amanda says, I absolutely hate seafood, so I think being taken out to dinner at a fancy seafood restaurant would probably make my list of terrible dates. Amanda, I'm really sorry that you live in the Pacific Northwest. (laughs) (laughs) I I think seafood you have to vet. Unless... Yes. Unless you come from a culture where seafood is... Like, if you live in Japan or something, where fish is such a heavy part of the diet... Sure. uh, I I think seafood restaurants, in America anyway, you gotta check that that's okay. Yeah, by that logic, McDonald's cool. No vetting. No, yeah. First date, easy. Fine by me. Oh, my gosh. Do they still have the, like... I haven't been in so long. Like, I've taken the kids, but we, we just get, like, they get whatever... A happy meal, but did they have the still like the two burger? I remember it used to be the number two, little two little burgers without the seeds, cheeseburgers. Oh, yeah, actual favorite. hamburger or cheeseburger, not quarter burgers yeah. or anything. Yeah, right. yes. I, think I don't so. know. Shit. I haven't been to McDonald's in forever. I haven't either. You know, I go kids, more like... often than I'd like, but usually it's for a large diet coke. Mm, mm, yeah. Well, I can't yeah. do that anymore, Bobby. Thanks for rubbing it in. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I live two doors down from a McDonald's. So, in fact, if I grab my binoculars and look out the window, I can probably check and see if that's on the menu. <laughs> oh, God, that was some college days. And I know that they're terrible, but I remember we'd wake up on Sunday and be like, oh, we're hungover. Let's go to Chick-fil-A and then be like, God damn it. We can't go to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> oh, I guess we'll go to McDonald's. Oh, what a time. Um, okay, Linda says, when they bring their mom. I really want the story behind this. Did this happen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we I need can't. a follow-up. That That's a solid voicemail candidate right there. Send us a voice memo, please. Please. Um, Lane says, I hate being taken to a big family or friends gathering when I'm just getting to know someone. I was surprised with this once at the end of a casual first date with someone that was supposed to 
just be a hike and a drink. To make it worse, it was a gathering where English was not being spoken and before my Spanish was as good as it is now. This was in the U.S. for the record. I can be awkward in English around big groups of new people, but in my second language, it was much worse. Also, please don't take me to a music festival, ugh, loud concert or club for a date. I enjoy live music from time to time, but anywhere, anything where I have to shout to talk when getting to know someone is generally not for me. Yeah. Ugh. A music See, festival. Absolutely this is my none. problem with bars. Yeah. Is bars are so fucking loud all the time. So they're loud. loud and they're expensive. What's the plus side to it? I don't know. Just to get people drunk so they'll like make out or I don't know. Yeah, someday. but you can get drunk at home. I know. For way cheaper. Oh, God. You can Ugh. get drunk in the park. I really Some municipalities like, frown on getting drunk in open public spaces, <laughs> but I say it's a better alternative. And Put I don't it in know, a brown though, bag. If you said to me, like, let's say I was on a dating app and I said, we should really get together. Do you want to get drunk in the park with me? <laughs> well, there are a number of things wrong with that for me, but I yes. just, I never understand. The, the few times the that I have, like, gone to bars... And whatever. And people seem to be having a whale of a time. And I'm like, you can't have a conversation with anybody here. Yeah. yeah. No, I, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, a music festival would show really quickly how much I don't love big crowds or schlepping or standing in lines. And somebody would just have to deal with that. I'm like, this is the real me right now. I can't even put it on. I can't. I live in a town. I mean, everybody lives in a town with a big music festival, but ACL is here every year. And every year I say, I've never been to it. And everybody says, Oh my God, you haven't. And I don't want to stand in line to hear music. I can listen on Spotify. I mean, that sounds terrible, (laughs) but I would rather go, if I'm going to go see a show, I just want to see like a show. I want to see one, thing and anyway you don't want to see guster in person no i don't know who goes to acl (laughs) don't don't make fun of my high school and college years please (laughs) Uh, guster is great it's just it's the only band i could think of that might show up at acl i know truly one time i almost went but i thought the tickets were too expensive to go see girl talk which it's like literally it's not music i mean it is music but it's not like somebody is playing musical instruments while you're there mm-hmm. it is a dj and i was like oh that'd be fun and i couldn't get tickets and i was like well okay i just i hate thinking about parking and i hate lines i hate lines i hate them um and i'm not pretty enough to be like can i have to wait in line i remember in la my my really pretty roommate would always get us to the front of the line because she was beautiful and i would just be like riding her coattails Ugh, i can't do it um okay and finally Anne says I don't want to be cold, eat meat, or be around too many people I don't know. But these are all generally true. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but I I mean like... that's not so much as a date thing as a life philosophy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Like, stitch that on something, Anne. I know you can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I found, the other day I was cleaning out a drawer and I found, oh, sweet Anne, um, I rem- was thinking about the very beginning of the pandemic when they were like, yeah, you got to start wearing masks. And I was like, what? Where do I get a mask? I don't know where to get a mask. And sweet Anne made me a mask and sent it to me. And I found them like buried in some. Oh, that's I know. Nice. I was like, oh, they were very nice. I still have the one cute. she sent me too. Yeah. It was when, She's when a sweetie. for two weeks, people who could sew were the most valuable people in the world. <laughs> no, I know. I did I have know. to. I have a whole collection of a bunch of masks that I sewed. I, um, the other day I went, last Friday I went to the doctor and uh the lady doctor 
And I just kind of forgot. <laughs> like, I just don't live in the world of wearing a mask, but I will wear a mask. If somebody asks me to wear a mask, I will absolutely wear a mask. Like, I do not, like, whatever. I, I'm sure. going to do what you want me to do. And I went in and I'm like digging through my car. Like, oh shit, I forgot a mask. I forgot a mask. And I found one. Who knows how, you know, <laughs> clean it was. But I did find a mask. It looked relatively clean. Um, and I walked in. And luckily, actually, they were they had masks there. And this woman in front of me who was pregnant um, was checking in. And my doctors have just been, I don't know, bought out by another medical company. I don't, whatever. Some corporation. And... The woman at the front checking her in said... Sorry, private um, equity's got your best health in, in their yes. top oh, concerns. Absolutely. absolutely. She said, Ascension, the company, has uh, has a policy of masks in the office. And this... I'm like, this is so Texas. This pregnant woman goes, really? And I'm like, you're going to get mad at this woman who probably gets paid $13 an hour. And she's just telling you what her corporate overlords have told her. Wear the fucking mask. And she like put it... She just like held it. And the woman wasn't going to push her. I mean, it would be funny. She's pregnant. She's definitely not going to push her. <laughs> but then she, like, would just sat there, like, angrily, you know, filling out her paperwork with the mask, like, on her chin, basically. I'm like, like give me a fucking break. This is going to be for 10 minutes. It's, Ugh, yeah, it's pretty childish. Stupid. Yes. It's so stupid. And I'm like, you're pregnant. Wear a mask. Anyway. That's it from the mail and doctor files. Um. <laughs> and that's it for Hillary wanting to suffocate a pregnant woman. Yes. On to medium talk. <laughs> that wasn't actually my transition. <laughs> Good. Happy President's Day to everybody who's listening to this yes. uh, as it comes out or probably slightly after it comes out because usually we drop it on Sunday nights instead of Monday mornings. Um, we were discussing the virtues of presidency earlier this week uh and the trappings and uh how sometimes it's the suckers who end up being president Mm -hmm. um and get tricked into being in charge of things and it got us talking about when we uh who wrote when we were dumb in this chapter of leadership files (laughs) (laughs) times when we have been called on to be president uh or perhaps everybody else stepped back when we were asked to step forward and we were the only ones left and if not Um, president then in a leadership role yeah yeah using the term president loosely because we could have a discussion about all those white guys in the one black one but this is going to be a broader conversation hey hey, there was a catholic there's two catholic ones now are they not white well, they are white, but Catholicism <laughs> for a time was considered another. Let's work on getting some Jewish presidents. Spoken like yes. a Catholic. <laughs> persecuted for being the group that persecuted everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, leadership in times that we either were pressed into or dumb enough to step into being in charge. And how that's going for us, or how that has gone for us. We've got it broken into a few categories, like we usually do. Um, And I don't know if this is so much about leadership or effective leadership, as it is just about our experiences being suckered into leadership. So Uh with that angle uh, clearly carved here, I thought of this on the fly. We, We got into this conversation on the fly, because when we were talking about President's Day, I distinctly remembered that when we started this podcast, many many years ago far too many years ago and you were still the president of your choir back then (laughs) sure was bobby and i remember how delighted you were when you weren't anymore when i was when i was no longer 
under the president anymore. So I have told the story on the show uh, as the time elapsed, but as you mentioned, it was a long, long time ago. So I can at least refresh that. So I was in this choir and I started thinking about, you know, maybe I should get more involved in the choir. And they were always looking for people to join the board. And I thought, like, I'm in my 30s. I should maybe, like, be a grown-up and, mm-hmm. you know, get out do that stuff. And I was talking to the director about something unrelated. And he said to me, you know, you should consider being on the board. You'd make a great treasurer. And I said, oh, well, I'm not interested in being the treasurer. But I have been thinking about maybe I could be on the board. And he said, oh, great. Here's our next meeting. You just come on over and see what you think. And I went to this meeting and he was like, and Anne's going to be our new treasurer. And I was like, yay. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, not, no, not going to be the, tre-. like, pff, I have no. no business being in charge of uh, an organization's finances. I have no mm. wish for that kind of responsibility. <laughs> and no. so then other like H- uh, HOA choir board members were coming to be like, oh, I hear you're going to be the new treasurer. <laughs> and I was like, no, no. I will no. not. <laughs> so I was on the board for a little while. And then the vice president, the longtime vice president, decided she was going to retire from life, I guess. Ooh. And focus on training her um, service dogs, because uh, I guess that was her big hobby. So she had to quit choir to do that. I don't know. And you only, there's the day you're born, and then there's the day you realize what you need to do with the rest of your life. And I she clearly so. realized. <laughs> she had to train those service dogs. That's right. But then, so there was an opening for the vice president of the board, and uh-huh. people were like, oh, yeah, you'd be great. You should be the vice president. And I was very suspicious. I was like, so what would I have to do? I mean, what are the responsibilities of the vice president? And they said, oh, it's just, you know, for whatever reason, the president can't be at the monthly meeting, then you just murdered. Meeting, that's all. <laughs> like, it's mostly ceremonial. And I'm like... Okay, mm-hmm. all right, I can duly voted into office, all that. The next meeting, the president um, sent his regrets that he could not attend. <laughs> and in oh, fact, no. he did so for the next five months. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the sixth month, <laughs> he came to the meeting and resigned. Oh, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> You got played so hard. (laughs) They were playing chess there. Jeez Louise. And it was like, I was like, all right, if I'm going to be president, I'm going to be president. I'm going to do this. And it was just, Bobby, you've dealt with more boards than any one man really needs to. So, you know, when I'm talking about like a volunteer community music group board Uh Uh um it's full of old white guys who really (laughs) like to talk they don't necessarily want to talk about anything that's really important to talk about now but they want to talk about it and when i first got on the board we had the same agenda Every month, it had the same 15 items on it. Now, 15. for context, this, this meeting was an hour and a half. <laughs> 
we got to maybe four items and I was like, no, this, this is not. So like I had a brainstorming session and I was like, all right, what are the three things that you think that we should concentrate on to grow this organization and, and make this better? And we came up with like three areas of improvement. And so, and then I did the things that a competent president would do, like having an actual, um, customized agenda for each meeting that had enough time and few enough topics to talk about it all. And then I would add like our, our overarching. Um, so, so like we got a concert coming up. What do we have to do for that? Like here, um, the cycle of life kind of stuff, the yearly, sure. whatever. And then also these larger areas of focus, like how do we grow this thing? And I got, I had a tablet and I got a timer app on it, like a stopwatch app that filled the whole tablet screen. So like it's so big. And I put um, uh, time expectations for each agenda item. Like we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes. And I put it on the timer and so everyone could see the timer counting down. The representative from Tenors has three minutes. <laughs> exactly. I think I was like... If we're in a really productive conversation at the end of the 10 minutes, I think I built in a little extra, like another five minutes or something that we could put somewhere in the middle. Like, I had this all worked out. It was marginally effective at getting them to focus and actually talk about the things that we needed to talk about. But I have to say, I hated it. I really hated being on the board because I just didn't see a way to grow the organization with the tools that we had and the people that we had. And as a small community arts organization, um, being on the board lets you know how close you are to total collapse at every moment. <laughs> Bobby laughs knowingly. <laughs> I'm trying not <laughs> like, to cry. Like, I am not built to be able to withstand those financial risks. Like the yeah. very real possibility that, we're not going to be able to pay the director or we're not going to be able to pay the church for Ooh. our rehearsal space. And the director is coming along and he's got all these plans if we should hire more section leaders and we should, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but how are we going to pay for it? And he's like, well, we'll just get a grant. And I'm like, that's not how it works. We'll just get a grant. <laughs> well, we'll just get a grant are words that I still hear <laughs> weekly. And, we'll just uh, get a grant. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's not... <laughs> Like, I remember having a budgeting session where the director was coming up with all this stuff. And I was like, that's really great. I'm excited about that. But now we have to figure out how we're going to pay for that because, you know, we don't have the income streams. And he was like, oh, Ann, that's not what budgets are about. Budgeting is a time where you get to aim for the highest what? things that what? you want. And I'm like, I think we have different definitions of budgeting. <laughs> like, I couldn't live with knowing how the sausage was made. And so eventually I was like, I'm, I'm out. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I don't even want to be on the board. I just yeah. want to not. And, and really it affected my enjoyment of the choir yes. too, because yes. like now I know how close this mountain is to crumbling into the ocean at any given moment. <laughs> like I was sort of worried all the time about it. So yeah. I, you know, I just should have let the other dude be president. There was, in fact, an election. Like, I was uh, president for a while and, you know, whatever, because I served out the remainder of the other guy's term. And then I did get elected to another term. 
and uh, somebody wanted it, and I ran against him, but because he was one of the blowhard old white guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta do better for this organization <laughs> than him. But like, I should have just let him have it in the first place. He mm. became president after I served out that term, and I think he's still president to this day. So, oh my God, it's like the people in the Trump administration—they were like, we don't believe in what he's doing, but we're staying here because we feel like we need to protect the union. <laughs> You're like, I have to protect it. Like, I want to do something good. I want to build something good. I want to start with, (laughs) start along the bottom. And after a lot of work, still be moving along the bottom. I, you know, I learned, (laughs) I learned a lesson from that is like, sometimes no matter how dedicated you are and how hard you try, (laughs) words to live by kids, (laughs) sometimes Mm. you just can't do anything with what you have to make a yes. a, a market improvement yeah sorry sorry bobby is am i cutting kind of close to home here uh, well uh no i i will not go into detail on a text i just sent you and but i keep a posting note on my monitor in my home office uh, that is a reminder of the perils of budgeting aspirationally and uh <laughs> You you really struck me. Ah, <laughs> yes. In, in that moment, um, I see. Are we round robining through this section, or sure? And yeah. I ask that because I've got this is a spectacular um, transition because you mentioning that that you know you ran against someone not because you wanted the job but because you maybe were a bit worried about the status quo if if you didn't do that. Uh, When I was a sophomore in college and I started working at the student newspaper at my college, The Spectrum, uh, I did not. So freshman year, I took off from journalism, you know, my sabbatical. (laughs) Your freshman sabbatical. I was a a college DJ for a semester and I dicked around doing not much for a semester. But I went and I took journalism. Uh, like the writing class that's tied to the school paper the fall semester of my sophomore year. By the spring semester, I was the assistant news desk editor. And there were several rungs of leadership between me and the editor-in-chief. There was, I had a news desk editor I reported to. They reported to like a like a general managing editor and that person reported to the editor-in-chief. And the EIC, the editor-in-chief, was an elected position among the editors. They all got together and they voted among themselves for who the next chief should be. And it became abundantly clear halfway through the spring semester the two people who were going to run for EIC. One uh, was one of my current news desk editors who was objectively useless. And the other was the managing editor who I think felt that it was just the natural thing for him to get it next mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, he should be. And he was less than useless. He was he was detrimental to the getting work done in the <laughs> he was, like, dangerous. He was, he was a really. Uh, yeah, he, he was. And, and a lot of personality in some wrong directions. There was a lot of, um, well, probable alcoholism and. You know, like he was just not and not in the fun journalism way of like a bottle of brown liquor in your desk, but like like he was just a a train wreck of a human. So when we all came to get ready to vote, like I was going to get a vote. I'm one of the junior editors, but I'm going to get a vote. 
And so I sat here and I had a little 19-year-old crisis of conscience thinking, well, do I vote for – they're never going to hear this. Do I vote for Silas who's going to turn this into just an absolute party zone disaster or do I vote for Siobhan who I've literally seen plagiarize things? Ooh. And I'm yeah, like so- – and you're caught in this position where like, can I, can I abstain? I mean, I guess I could just not vote, but and then <laughs> can of course, you vote present. Right. <laughs> so being me, of course, I feel this this sense of duty where I think, well, mm. and it's a real election, like it's a real race. And I thought to myself, well, if I don't, uh, the only option left is to run. Right. The only option left is if I can't vote for any of these people for president, then I better be president. Like I better run so that I can at least vote for someone who I trust. I trust myself. <laughs> so I barely on the staff. I'm the new guy. I'm me, but I'm much more annoying version of me because I hadn't learned how to not be so annoying yet. I mean, I'm pretty annoying now, but I was worse at 19, 20 years old. Um, and I I ran for editor in chief and I won. I think because other people had the same concerns I did. So I think I won by being the least dangerous of the three choices. Mm-hmm. I don't know the margins I won by. I was told well, it was hello, close. hello, President Biden. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, I didn't take the Amtrak to work every day, but I was woefully underprepared. And the editor-in-chief who was there before me left me a present on trial week, which is like the week in the spring where the new guys get to run a team for a week just to try it out. He left me a copy of the bylaws of the organization because the president of the uh, EIC was also the president of the nonprofit that the newspaper was. That's how they elected for their board. He took a copy of the bylaws and he wrote on a post-it note, so you know how you can be impeached. And he just left it on the desk. (laughs) Dang. Wow. (laughs) What an asshole. Uh, thanks, Jeremy Burton. You're out there writing for some newspaper somewhere now. Um, I don't think you meant it as a joke. So, uh, yeah, sometimes you just get compelled to do these things because if I don't do it, the world's going to end. Yeah, And, of course, the yeah. world wouldn't end. Silas ended up being the editor the year after me, and there was one unfortunate incident, but the paper didn't fold. Right. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, yeah. And, you know, there's more, but Hillary, would you like to, uh, yes, you've got a, you've got a, a school oriented one as well. I do. Well, so mine is a little less like, it's, it's less about like me wanting to like save the union because I think that like I can and I, I need to protect it. Mine was more about the glory and then realizing that's life is not for me. So I was obviously in the thespians club because that's who I am. And, Indeed. um, as it, was even, I, even though Bridget was like, what were you in? And I was like listing off some things. And I think she, I mean, it was mostly like classical play. You know, I was not in the musical. Obviously I was not in the musical. I was like a dresser in the back in the musical, but, um, I ran for thespian club president and I beat out this other girl, Elizabeth silver, who I, I do like Elizabeth, but I was like, ha ha, I beat her. And then I was literally like, I don't, I don't think I did anything. Like I was just sort of like, was like, what do I do now? I don't know how to actually lead anything. And it was a real realization of 
I'm a worker. I am a hard worker and I am a task oriented person, but being a leader is, was like not for me. I really, it's like the, the vagueness of being a leader, kind of having to shape things into the way that you want them to be like really stresses me out. Like that is not having a precise checklist really uh, ekes me out. So I think I was probably one of the worst uh, thespian club presidents only because I didn't like do anything. I don't even know if there was much to do, but I'm sure in uh, previous and uh, following years, people actually like did a way better job because I was just sort of the figurehead. I'm the president. I'm in charge. Um, I really don't remember that we did a lot in our thespian society either. I mean, Other we had than... meetings, but like, I don't know what the point of it, but I do remember by getting it to the end of the year thinking, I didn't really do anything. Like, I didn't just like raise money. No. Or anything. No. I remember we had the whole drama department, I guess we had a big celebration. I don't think it was a dinner, but I remember the only thing, I was the historian, by the way, mm. the president, vice president, treasurer and historian all got together and we, we like cut together a tape of footage uh, <laughs> featuring all the graduating seniors in all the oh, different plays yeah. and so that we played at this presentation. That was it. And I also made a scrapbook. Like I, as the yes. historian, I took pictures and developed them because <laughs> God, 90s. That, did you have... Did you have like one of those scissors that could like cut fun shapes and like zigzag? And oh, stuff? like a like a pinking shears? No, <laughs> yes. I don't. But I did like make a big scrapbook that had pictures, you know, candids and posed, posed. photographs from all the different plays and stuff. So I guess I did something. But I, yeah, I don't. I don't remember there being any particular point to no, that there, club. There, there wasn't a point, and um, this kind of goes into what like our our next subjects are, I, I don't think I'm ever really like, I'm the CEO, I'm the president, I'm in charge. But because people know that I'm good at getting things done when given like action, they just give me all of the stuff. So that's what I've fallen into more is less leadership roles, but really more like, Hey, can you do all of this? But like, you're not going to get any recognition for it. I just need you to do all of this. And that is the world that I think a lot of us people who are overachievers and, you know, try to do the best at school or, yep. you know, work that you find yourself and kind of Bobby, like you were saying, you don't trust other people to finish it because they don't have any like problems, not finishing stuff. That is the world <laughs> that I, I feel myself in is less the leadership in a technical, like I'm the president, I'm in charge, but more in the, um, I just, I'll just do everything. It's fine. Like, yep. whatever. I'll just do it. I'll just get it done because I know I'll get it done. And like you said, Bobby, that rings true. The only person I can trust in this situation is me. Me, myself, I, and I. I. I have a boss who, oh, de la soul. I have a boss who, um, yeah. Uh, That's a good one. Told me not too long ago, uh, I have to let other people fail. <laughs> I know. And that was, that's so obvious and yet so hard. Truly, Mm -hmm. not to be like, I'm a mom on the pod, but truly the hardest part of being a parent is letting a kid fail because they're going to fail and they need to learn how to do stuff. And I'm not going to be there all the time. And I don't want to be there all the time. I don't want to hover around my kids. I don't want to, they need to learn how to do stuff. And sometimes it's just, it really is just easier just doing stuff for them, like Mm -hmm. putting away their laundry because it irritates me when it's not put away or, 
whatever, you know, helping Rory tie his shoes when he really kind of needs to learn. We need to take time to do it. I, I hate, I, I, it's like long-term, short-term things. Like you need to teach people how to do stuff and have like actual consequences for it. But it's really hard to do that because especially when it reflects on you. (sighs) But then like, there's also only so much that you can do because there are different types of people and like you say there are people that don't give a shit if things don't get done right like we have joked many times on this show before that i do not half-ass anything i am full ass only in every every (laughs) sense of the word yes you know and like and i i suppose you don't have to be one or the other all the time. It depends on how much you care about something. But like I saw it all the time in retail when you were to hire people, especially for just a temporary seasonal uh, basis. Work for the, yeah, seasonal stuff. It's like I always you can categorize people, uh, put them in three groups. You have the people who are like, all right, I'm here. Let's let's do this thing. Let's get this taken care of. And then there are people that are like, hey, I'm here. I'm glad to help. Just um, let me know what you need to do. And then there are the people who are like, I'll be over here. You yeah. want me, I guess. You know? Uh, so, and I'm always, I'm a get shit done yes. person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I and the older I get, I'm like, let's get out on like front street. Like, let's talk about what needs to get done because I don't yeah. want to be surprised on this. I don't want to stick my head in the sand and just like hope it gets done by somebody else. Because what I've learned is it never gets done by somebody else. You always end up having to do it and at work at least, where it's <laughs> uh-huh. like I'm always going to have to do it. It's always going to come back and it's going to be my responsibility at some point, even if I think I've handed it off. It's always going to be my responsibility. So, but I just need to, but as my therapist has said to me. We train people on how to treat us. Yeah, yeah. So the reason that shit doesn't get done if you don't do it is because you have trained people to understand that you will do it for them. Mm-mm, I know. It's so hard. I want to be mm-hmm. one of those people that can like have those jobs that get paid $200,000 and they just are like, I don't know, write a couple emails or whatever and then <laughs> and then they get paid money. I don't know that how that happens because what it's never jobs been in my life. I don't know. I feel like somehow it's just like a memo. Like we had a call with a guy. This is trying to put it in bait. This, this 70 year old man does not listen to this podcast, but we have a client um, and they wanted ideas for all of our marketing and what we're doing to lease this property. I created this like 17 page marketing plan that was cute. looked great. It had a little, it, it both had like demonstrations of what we were doing. And then in the back had like bullet points of what we were doing and what we have completed just because people don't like to read. So I put it in the back True. so, you know, they could just see it. And the guy wanted us on a call at eight, which is fine, but whatever we had to be in the office at eight all on this call. And he, he, the questions that he asked were like, what are you guys going to do for marketing? And I'm like, He's like, I saw what you sent me, but I need to know what you're going to do for marketing because I'm trying to tell this other guy what you're going to do. And it was like, he's just an intermediary between us and the CEO. He's just like the middleman. I guarantee you he gets paid a lot of money. And he didn't even read the damn thing. I'm like, how do I get this job? How do I get this job? <laughs> Whereas I, I, somebody prepares something for me and then verbally explains it to me and then writes another email, bulleted out to explain it to me because... I can't be bothered to read. I don't understand how people get those. I think once those again, positions. that's president of the United States. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Uh, and it's like, whatever. It's not like I, I'm not working the coal mines or anything. I work in a corporate position. I make plenty of money, but I work really hard at my job and I don't, it just seems in my job, especially in a corporate environment, it does seem like there are doers and then there are people that shuffle yep. things along. There and are doers and there are talkers. Yes. Yes. Um, surprisingly, I'm a doer. I am also a talker, but I'm also a doer because <laughs> it ends up on my lap and I'm going to, and like you said, Anne, I've trained people to know like it'll get done if it gets on my desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mostly Damn. because I don't like, I know. Well, and that's the thing. And that is something else that I like, the more you say you can do, uh, the more that is going to be put on. And that doesn't correlate to, um, a higher salary at all, yeah. at all. Maybe more respect, maybe, but uh, not not a higher salary. I mentioned it the other day when we were talking about this. You know, I'm in a leadership class right now, and uh, it's a year-long thing through the local Chamber of Commerce, and there are just under 40 of us from all sectors, bankers, lawyers, uh, nonprofit managers, people in the medical sector. We're all over the, the map. And we have to do a class project. It's basically like an Eagle Scout project. Ugh. We got to pick a project. We, so we had to write an RFP, launch it, take submissions, pick a project. And now we're going to fundraise for that project and we're going to do it. Don't go low bid. And yes. <laughs> and, and I um, actively did not put myself on the fundraising committee. And in all these meetings, I actively resist the urge to just try to run them. Like, it's a learning experience for the people who aren't in the nonprofit sector to like write a grant application or learn how to read one and write the RFP and, and to do that. And for me, the learning process has been sitting back and letting other people yeah. learn. Ooh, that's, it, that's your growth edge. It's yes. so hard. Mm-hmm. Cause I just like, want to be actually... like, you idiots, this is, this is a five minute conversation. We don't have to spend an hour working on this, but I realized I've got to let them work through it. Yeah, and so, and I'm trying not to sound like a cocky asshole. Like I'm not sitting here with all the answers the whole time, but like but the experience. efficient path. Yeah. So I think I I, just, I always come up with like one smart thing to steer the conversation if I feel like it needs to be steered, and then I just slip in with it, and then I just step back <laughs> into my little corner. Ugh, I and that's probably smart. Yeah. I mean, and I imagine that any group project that you've ever been on, you did 99 percent of the work. That may be a low estimate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whoever got you in their group, they're like, yes, yes, yes. I would be, see, and we would be good partners because I was always relieved that there was somebody else that I knew that would be like sharing the burden with me. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, it's not all fucking idiots on here that are just like, see you later. Oh man, I was, I took a communications class. I think it was about leadership and public speech. I don't remember, but, um, but our professor divided us up for a group project, and he did it by Myers Briggs type. And oh. now we've talked about Myers Briggs <laughs> oh, yeah. in the past. Oh, and yeah. um, I'm a straight D, no doubt about it. <laughs> lack of scientific rigor, let's put it that way. But I think it is an interesting tool as long as you're not using it to make hiring, firing, your promotion, and salary decisions in the workplace. Uh, but it's kind of fun. And I think he put us into like four different groups that are like sort of you know, the 16 Myers-Briggs kind of grouped into four that correspond, I think, to Carl Jung's um, personality categories. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. But so I go to meet my group and we show up at the library. We all show up. 
on time. We have a productive discussion. We come up with a plan. We meet the next week. Everybody's done their part. We know exactly what we want to do. And at the end of the meeting, one of the other people was like, um, guys, I have to ask, is this like the weirdest group project experience you've ever had? And we were all like, oh my God, yes. Like he had put all the get shit dunners in the Together. same group. <laughs> and it was such a refreshing experience that it felt like everybody was rowing equally. Because <laughs> usually oh. it's just like, we'll, t- we'll talk for a while and be like, I can write the paper, guys. It's fine. I, I, I can do the paper. <laughs> Don't yeah, mind. you're like it's. I I got it. Don't don't worry. Yeah, about like it. I mean, it's just e- it's just easier for me to yeah. do the whole thing than to try and write a paper with another person, which is impossible. I don't know how anybody does it, but like going back to the Myers Briggs things, one of the, one of the the things that I read about my own personality type, the INTJ, which and by the way. It's been a long time since we did that show. We still have our Myers-Briggs on the run sheet, <laughs> which makes me happy. Uh, I but know. One of, the, one of the things it said about me, about, about INTJs, is that they don't naturally gravitate towards leadership. Like, we don't particularly want to be in charge, but if we see a need, we are willing to step in. Yeah. And we can end up doing a very good job at leading. Yeah. It's just not something that we that we pursue. And I'm like, yeah, that's that sounds about right. It's like I'm not jumping up and down to be in charge. But if I see a a, a vacuum, or if I'm like, I, I'm probably the best person for this job. I I will do it. <laughs> yes, yes. You're like, I'm called upon. I can do it. You're not, like, you're oh not in God, it for the glory. You're just no, in it to get the shit done. Because I always want to do a good job. What, I know. What is that? I don't know. <laughs> why, I don't know. why can't I half-ass things? <laughs> I know. I know. You don't have to go full-ass every time. You can half-ass. It's okay. <laughs> People, yeah, like, as you say later on, you're still a good person. I know you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, sure? No, it's, you are, you are. Um, Bobby, what do you you get suckered in? Well, (sighs) you're resisting right now. Not really. I just, when I read this question, I I thought that the answer is not specifically types of things, but it's exactly what I was talking about earlier with, um, the standard of quality and what, what you were getting into as well, letting other people make mistakes or just not full assing, um, I have the hardest time not just, and I have this now with my team, and if any of them are listening, they know this, and I'm sorry. You know, somebody who works for me will do a good job or a pretty good job with something, but I will need to make it better. (laughs) And I'm getting better about sometimes letting that slide, but sometimes I just have to dive in and do or redo something because I have a higher sense of it being a representative of, of our company. Sure. And if yeah. it's not great, that's going to disappoint me. Reflects and then even and even just in personal life, like if it's going to reflect on me, even if I didn't do it, I want to make sure that it's right. Or if it's going to be better for the community, I want it to be as right as it can be. So I, I will mm-hmm. I will step in because I know somebody else won't do it as well as I will do it. It's once again, making me sound like just such an <laughs> asshole. But well, and I do it even when there are no consequences at all for stupid yep. things like um, 
I don't know, I kind of got back into cross-stitching a little while. And, you know, cross-stitching is hundreds of tiny little X's through fabric. And then I will realize that 45 minutes ago, I put in one extra X and I could compensate for it and fill it in the other way and it would be fine. And I'm like, it's fine, Anne. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know what happens? Pick it all out every time and go back to the one mistake on the thing that is purely for my enjoyment. I know. Because I just want to be right. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, So that's how I get suckered in. (laughs) And and like in what I get suckered into. And it's, I'm learning to be better about it. But um, uh, the, the one thing that I'm getting better about is not being suckered into things because of guilt. Yes. Like I, I've cut out a couple of things and people and projects that, you know, people who I realized were not just praising me, but also just manipulating me. Yeah. And I've cut some things away through the years because of that, but it's still hard. And, and as, I'm busy. You may have noticed. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> you. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's not I, just because I mean... I'm roasting coffee with octogenarians. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking about the, like the most recent sort of leadership, non-paid leadership situation that I was put in was when I stayed home with Bridget, I felt this sort of loss of working. Not that I love working so much, but you know, we've been so trained to It's okay work. not to love working, by the way. No. I think that we struggle. I think societally we struggle with that. Like you can feel productive and have a job and some people have a job they like and some people have a job that's mm-hmm. fulfilling and it's okay to also not have that. Like it's okay to have a job I mean, to pay the bills and then have a life that isn't your job. That's currently my job. I like my job fine, but I, it's not my everything. And when I quit to take care of Bridget, I felt that loss of, of like maybe structure was the thing I needed or like purpose in my life. Obviously, like I was raising a child, but in the early months, it's so, I don't know, aimless. I would make checklists of things like get dressed and, and you know, exercise because I did, I needed to make a checklist, but, um, at some point I decided, Oh, maybe I'll like join the HOA. Like that's something for me to do. And, and kind of like <laughs> you, like, Oh, I'm, you know, I'm an adult. I'm in my thirties. Like I should do something. Like I should make a mark on the world that I live in. And I talked to the head of the HOA and she was like, yeah, come to a meeting. We'd love to have you. There's an opening. I think you'd be great. I think this is great. And I came to the meeting. Hey, and this I, sounds like how I got onto my HOA. And I came to the meeting and I was like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. There is absolutely no way that I'm going to be doing this. I saw how much work it was to put on this meeting for these old farts complaining mm-hmm. about the HOA fee, which is like very clear. Like, And, and it's honestly not. It's $50 a month. Like it's not, and we have a pool. Um, it's not that expensive, but every, you know, people, I mean, Bobby, as you know, people will complain about just yeah. about anything and taking out. A l- the thing about HOAs is people don't pay attention no. until they want to complain mm-hmm, about something. Mm-hmm, yeah, exactly. We're three for three on HOAs, huh? Yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I, I can't do this like I don't even even as a stay-at-home mom I like who ostensibly does not have a ton to do I don't think I have enough time or patience really to deal with this there was somebody this is something that I learned before I um took my real estate exam was that there was somebody in the neighborhood who had a fully paid off house no mortgage and they didn't pay their HOA for um 
a year or something. And after like so many warnings, they got their house taken. Like I was like, damn. And they're, I mean, it's 50, it's whatever, whatever that is a year. Like it's nothing. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I, uh, that is not, that is not something I, that's why I don't do residential real estate. It's too personal. (laughs) I don't want to be involved in that shit. Yeah. That was one reason that I got off that board after Mm -hmm. five or six years. Cause I was like, I'm going to start hating all these people. Yeah. If you know, I don't like, I don't, need this drama i barely know my neighbors as it is more than to just be like hey how's it going like i don't i don't need to you know who's mad because somebody used an unapproved decoration on their front door like i don't care i don't (laughs) i don't care about that so i shouldn't be on this board if i don't care no exactly i'm not passionate about this uh, like there, there are more important things to worry about in this life than 99% of the stuff ugh. that people bring up with HOA. Yes. Like some of it is so, and I got mad at the HOA the other day. So I'm like, see, like I can't be on the HOA because if I'm getting mad about something, <laughs> then I, I can't, I can't be on. Um, Bobby, tell us about your HOA experience. I'll keep brief because we've discussed it many <laughs> times here, but. Uh, I am still the president of the homeowners board for Mayfair Lane. It's not technically an HOA, just in case any of those folks are listening. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I got involved because there was a massive multi-million dollar construction project that was going to be very, very expensive for everybody. And uh, I simply could not afford to not be involved because that was another matter of trust. Like, even if it was the right choice, I need to make sure it was the right choice with that much money on the line for us. Um, and, uh, that project's actually going to be breaking ground in like a month and a half. Wow. And, uh, it's still going to be a massive assessment on every homeowner. So I'm, I'm Oof. bracing for impact on that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and Sam and I don't have the 50, you know, gish grand that we're probably going to have to put into this for us, um, laying around. So we're going to have to go get a loan just like everybody else. Oh. And, Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But it was going to be even more when I started because of the way right. that it was being approached before I got on the board. So yep. similarly, I was dumb enough to get on the board because there was an opening and then uh, less than a year later became president of the board. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, my term why is does up this keep happening? April. I think April, I think, is when the annual meeting is and I'm, my term will be up. And so I can't be president again if I'm not on the board. So uh, I have to decide whether or not I want to subject myself to another cycle of board membership. <laughs> Uh, actually one thing i've learned there is i don't do a lot anymore i just hold i just host the meetings um i have delegated 99 percent of the actual work to other people my my job good a good start my job is being the amenable host of the meetings and when we have lane-wide conversations like i basically just host a talk radio show for an hour when we have the (laughs) the big meetings i just take everybody's names and call on them it's it's talk of the nation i do my neil conan impression (laughs) oh you're like head of state you're like not head of government anymore you're just like hello i preside and everybody do their business (laughs) i i try to yeah i figure that's my contribution is holding the peace and yes yeah so Ah, but still here i am i don't even live in the fucking house i know that's the craziest thing that is wild (laughs) god i missed that house (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, it looked pretty. It, it looks really is. pretty. It actually looks even nicer now. The, the the our tenant has very good taste. I mean, it's it's a little loud for me, but she's taking very nice care of it. Oh, good. So, yeah. yeah. Protect yeah. your investment. I mean, we're still losing money on it, but hey, at least it looks nice. 
Um, and you also have a, an HOA note here. Yeah, but it, nothing more than it, it sounds remarkably like Hillary's story, except for that I did not have the self-control to say no uh, <laughs> when I was actually because I went I went once to an HOA meeting because uh, longtime listeners may remember I've had multiple ice dam related leaks in my ceiling <laughs> through throughout the winters. I haven't had anything for like I don't know probably seven, eight, nine years at this point but uh, so that's great but when i moved in i think i had five leaks in three years and it was it was just terrible and i was not the only one it was like um development wide we were having all these terrible ice stand problems and like we weren't getting any communication about what was going on i was like well i'll just like go to the meeting and ask what's up so i went to the meeting one time and they were like why are you here and i was like I don't know. I just wanted to ask a question. <laughs> and then like, the next month I was going somewhere. I remember I was in the car. I was backing out of my garage and my across the street neighbor comes running across the street. She was the president of the HOA. And so I rolled on the window and she's like, Ann, Ann, have you ever considered being part of the HOA? I think you'd be really good for it. And there's an opening. And I was like, at least I would know what's going on. If I'm on the board. And so I said, okay. And then I did that for five years. And it just, it, oh. no, it wasn't. Again, it's it's seeing the sausage getting yes. made. Yeah. I yes. just, and being too involved with other people and other people's problems that I wasn't interested in adding to my life. So now I just pay my dues and they go up every year and they're getting quite expensive now. But like, what are you going to do? It's one of the things that I found was that people would get really hostile towards the board like we were some power hungry <laughs> group who just wanted to raise and I was like, you know, we pay the fees too. Yes. So yes, if we, we are affected. Dues, we we pay the same amount as you in fact it got so bad once that we had an annual meeting and our president was like when we introduce ourselves, I just want us to give like a tiny biography, like say what your degree is in and where you work. Cause I want the people who come to know that we're professional people. And so it was like, I don't know, like nine out of 12 people on the board had master's degrees. Oh you know, gosh. one was like a master of nursing and one was a, like a lawyer and family practice and somebody was vice president of a bank and you could just feel it going around the room as you know we got all the way down to me and I was like a master's in statistics and I worked at the <laughs> University of Minnesota right that all oh, yeah. of a sudden that people were like oh wait maybe they're not complete like idiots yes out for their own like power projections and wanting to like do what with people's money and then who know. was in the back who yelled fucking nerds and then flung a <laughs> butt heavy bottle at you oh god it was, it was one of those things but like i said people didn't pay attention to until anything they were... until mm -hmm. you know like we actually have done pretty good about i haven't had an assessment since i've moved in here although they raise the dues so that we don't have to have unexpected mm -hmm. assessments but really i think they've done a, a pretty good job all things considered but like some people are just not yeah. cut out to live in an association with other no. people no no like, that's very they true just, 
they just don't want rules under anything yep. they can do. And I'm like, I don't care. I wasn't going to do anything anyway. So yep. Yep. if I like, it never occurred to me to want to paint my door purple. So <laughs> I don't care that it's against the rules. The only, I feel like the motto of this whole episode is like, just don't join the HOA board. <laughs> no, don't do it. Don't <laughs> do it. Don't, just don't. And I, I do see comments on online whatever is every once in a while that's like, oh, it's idiots on the HOA. And I'm like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe mine was an anomaly or something. But the people who are on my HOA, they wanted the best for the community. Yeah. Yeah. And they were wanted to be responsible stewards of the money and yep. uh just do their best. So I don't know. It's fucking expensive yeah, to be is. alive yep. these mm-hmm. days. God, it's the one sh- it's insurance is what it is. Well, that was Killing so we, everything. We had a, we have a wall that um I mean, it's not like a gated community, but there's a wall that surrounds our neighborhood and it was crumbling because whoever built it in like the 90s just did a shitty job. And they um like okay we're gonna actually take out a loan so we're gonna have to increase but like they really didn't increase it that much it was not but they had to increase our uh monthly rate um for the next like three years and they were gonna bring it back down and we had enough money in the bank to cover it but they were like we don't want to but we had just enough money so they're like we don't really want to tap it out we'd rather just take the loan and then we'll pay it back whatever People lost their damn minds. That's when I really was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be involved in this. This is people get so fucking weird about owing any money or being anything being great. It's like, I think it was $45. Then it was the next year. It was like 47. You know, it was like start like stair steps. It was not a, that big of a deal. Anyway, people got all up in arms about it. And I just can't, I can't deal with that. I can't deal no. with people and their money and getting and different philosophies on taking out loans and all that shit. Yep. And it's and it's like it's not even neg- negligible because I think probably my dues have doubled in the fifteen oh, years yeah. that I've yeah. been here, and so I can see if you're on a fixed income or whatever, that's like it's not good. No, but it's not like that's the first choice either. Yeah, yep. or the second, or the fourth, or the tenth choice of anybody on the board. Yeah, oh, of course. If it was your house and the roof was failing. Mm-hmm. You'd still have to pay for it. Yep. That's yep. always oh, that's, the thing with HOAs. Is... Yep. That's another one. It's like, well, my my ceiling is never leaked. Why should I have to have higher dues to pay for the fact that Anne's ceiling leaked? Ooh. And I'm like, yeah, but your sprinkler system leaked and the whole system had to be drained and refilled because of it. Or, you know, that's the whole point of living in an association is to spread those costs around. So I I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> I know we're really going hard on. I know people God. who live in HOAs. <laughs> There's things that I could keep saying, but I'm not going to. But in a year or two, come back to me and we'll talk. Yep. Um, where were we? Well, should we go to like what our current philosophy is? Because I feel like we've we've uh, yeah hit yeah. on you know yeah we we've, we've danced around them <laughs> quite quite a lot, and it it is. Uh, one of my personal growth edges, there's that term again, that it's okay to say no, and you're still a good person. I think I, I've lived under the philosophy that if I don't do everything that everybody asks of me every time, then they will decide that I'm not worth it. And, you know, if I'm not going to accommodate all their desires, then they won't 
be friends with me or like uh, everything is contingent on you performing. Yeah. 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 It's all conditional, whatever. And if I'm not perfect, then they'll decide that I'm like too much of a burden to want. Like I felt this way when I was seven years old. Like I thought if I was not the perfect child that my mother would be like, well, this is too much work and like leave me. Punky Brewster somewhere. somewhere. Like, yeah. You know, and she's like, what on earth would ever give you that idea that I would just like get sick of you and leave you somewhere? And I was like, I don't know. But it was a very real fear for me. And that's how this has translated to my adult life is this need to be perfectly compliant. It's so codependent. It's just disgusting. And but, yeah, my mother used um, to threaten to quote trade me to the gypsies, and oh no, I turned out fine. She swears she never said that. By the way, you're like I remember. Yeah, I have distinct memory. Where would a kid otherwise learn that phrase? That incredibly right. offensive <laughs> phrase. My my mom's one because I got every kid goes through that period of being sassy or lippy or whatever. Yes. You yeah. know, like I don't know, has Bridget gotten there yet has she gotten there has she stopped being there (laughs) like i feel like i the way that um kids act when they're in their early teens i feel like i did that when i was about 10 i may have been just a little early on that for like being a pain in the ass and my mom used to say if you're gonna act like this all through your teenage years it's gonna be world war (laughs) three Uh, uh, and so I don't know. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have said that to I me, know, Mom. I know. I know. <laughs> I you, it's the weird thing. Insecurities. I mean, it's this weird thing that, like, we talked about in another show that you internalize that people just throw off, and you're like, okay, I guess I have to be perfect now, otherwise people are gonna like lose their minds. Yeah, and like, it, I, I felt like the only thing I was good for was getting things done. I used yeah. to have this whole script of self talk where I would go through the reasons why people wouldn't like me I was like well okay I'm not like funny and I'm not pretty and I'm not charismatic and I'm not creative and I'm not all but you know what can I do I can get shit done I can be your workhorse and if I'm not doing that what am I good for nothing why would anybody want to have me around if I'm not doing that so that's been a very long journey to get past that particular headspace yeah I know it's it's hard. it's really hard. It's really hard when you think yep. that it is sort of a, yeah, the people are only with you or involved with you in some manner because you provide for them. And yep. the crazy thing is I don't ever really, unless it's, unless the other person is lacking so much, I don't really think that about another person. Like I don't think no. oh, they have to do stuff for me no, in order for not. me to be friends with them. And then I'm like, are they just so much more delightful than I am or whatever? You know, you're like, how do they get away with it? And I don't, I guess there has to be something super special about them that I'm lacking somehow. And I don't know what it is, but I'm lacking. So I'm just going to work hard to make up for it. Yep. Oof. <laughs> this this is a little bit more uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> than we intended. So interestingly, sure. um, with my philosophy, I've chosen to make all of my friendships transactional. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a different way to go. Yeah. Uh, so you'll get your invoices. No, um, <laughs> I, I think I, I am actually just trying to be more intentional in, in the 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 projects in which I interact or the people in which I interact or the jobs I take on or, or things like that, you know, um, it, it won't come as a shock for everyone who's been paying attention that Sam and I are not in the same city, like half the time 
and that that has been going on for several years now. I was going to say, have you ever? Like, in, how long? Y'all been married for what? Ten years? Yeah, yeah, Longer. ten years yeah. and change. So, um, like, five well, no, of those for, years? Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting that far. It's getting about half of our marriage. We've been dealing with this in some capacity or another. And it has made me um, really examine how I use my time because when we are together, I want to not fuck that up. Like Mm -hmm. I want to be a good husband and not just because I want to be a good husband, but like I I invested in that relationship and it's important to me to do that. So um, I don't, I try not to triple book all of my weekend nights and all those things because normally I would have like, you know, before meeting Sam and, and even earlier in our, our marriage, you know, I would have just, um, I would have taken on everything and anything at any possible minute. And even now I'm still very busy, but um, I also try to really preserve my energy, my mind space and, and my time to focus more on family and, and, you know, focus on the family. I guess that's my philosophy. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm trying and it's, I'm a, it's a work in progress for me. I have a long way to go, but I'm, I'm recognizing that, um, you know, I'm I'm in my late 30s and I'm not going to get younger and a certain amount of grinding is going to be good for me and the world. And more than that is not going to be worth it for anyone. It's just going to have me self-destruct. So mm-hmm. um, I have to learn how to moderate my work. Like I don't freelance anymore. Like when you go, when we yeah. all met, I was still working like every little job on the side I could mm-hmm. get and all these extra yeah. projects. And I just finally had to say, I can't I don't have the capacity anymore. I have the same yeah. number of hours in the day, but I'm slower and older and other, mm-hmm. other things to focus on. Yeah. It's amazing how that happens. I don't think you're interested yeah. in going to like IO or whatever so much anymore to like, what was it like heart? Like some uh, yeah, like heart yeah, monitors. That, that, yeah. That feels like it wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't. In the gra- but some of that was also just, um, I was bored. Like that was, that was yeah. me lo- hunting for some amount of entertainment. Um, and I, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, know. uh, you know, Jeremy drives out into the wilderness to camp at a Yaris or whatever. Uh, I was getting paid at least a couple hundred bucks a day to go do that. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, I I like, I like what you say about being intentional because I think not to reference my therapist again, but I guess this is an Anne's therapist heavy show. <laughs> but Listen. you know, we talked a we talked a lot about what you call schemas, which are I guess ways you develop to cope with things. Like if you have an experience when you're young where you feel threatened, you you know you figure out a way to cope with that and it's she says it's like it's like a machine you 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 build the machine to cope with that situation and Mm -hmm. you start the machine and the machine goes and it doesn't turn off just because the situation no longer is applicable you've built that machine and it's still running in your life and so the intentional part of that for me is to try and see the machine running so that i can go and push the off button on that yeah which is hard yep uh that's really hard um i will tell uh, a story about my therapist which is sort of my kind of final like this really helped me a little bit when i saw my therapist um a few years ago i was sort of maybe ruminating on taking a position where it was more of a leadership role. It wasn't like the boss or anything, but it was more of a leadership role because I think I thought 
I want should. I should. It's like the next step. And kind of how we talked about previously, I'm like, I'm really not a manager. I'm a really good worker. I'm just not managing is just not for me. But I just thought I need to I need to take this. And I was going to see the therapist because I was feeling really overwhelmed by my life, like having two kids, having to like work and maintain a house and whatever, just normal, boring stuff. And I said, do you think I should take this position? It's a little bit more money. And she just was like, no. No, absolutely not. And it was sort of like she didn't even really give like that much. I mean, it was more like you don't really. She didn't. Need she it. didn't be like, well, how do you feel about it? No, she was just she's like, just no, like, no, don't do that. Like, it's what is it going to add to your life? And I'm really trying to think of it, Bobby. Kind of like we've all been saying is, what is this really adding to my life? I and not to be selfish. I try not to be super selfish all the time. But if it's not going to be a beneficial to my life and it's minorly helping somebody else, it's just not worth my time if I don't want to do it. And that's really, unless I'm super interested, I, we're all busy. We all have shit going on. We all work full-time jobs. Like mm-hmm. I don't have the time and I don't need to feel compelled because of some sense of responsibility right. or some like, I want a legacy or something to leave. By. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know if it's for the greater glory, but I don't want to do it. Focus on the family. And, yeah. <laughs> and the other, the other branch of that is it, it doesn't matter whether you're busy or not. Yes. Like you don't have to no. have a justification. No. Like I'm too busy to do this. It's you're in charge of yes. do you want to do it then do it if you don't don't you don't need to be able to justify whether or not you you do something and that is also hard for me because I yes. feel like unless I have a compelling reason to not do something then I should I know do I know. whatever <laughs> oh I mean I've my been therapist there. is like no it's your time yes nobody's telling nobody cares you do you use your time the way to make yourself happy and don't feel guilty. I mean, guilty. Dave always teases me. He's like, I'm the Catholic one. Why do you feel guilty all the time? And I'm like, I don't know. Because you're like, the woman. I know. I'm like, I guess. I don't know. I hate it. Because I, I will have those days where I'm so lazy. I like barely leave my bed. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I didn't do anything today. And he's like, stop saying that. Like, it's stupid that you're saying that. Who cares? You do plenty all the time. Like, you can take a break to take care of yourself. Yeah, it sounds like kind of an okay husband. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before we get out of this discussion, I did want to say, um, oh, God, are we going to have like a note of sincerity on this podcast? Is <laughs> that one of the pleasures of my life is that I have two very good editing and producing partners in yes. the two of you. Aww. Yes. And so I'm glad I, I got all the dead weight off the show this week. <laughs> I Loser. feel like we've we've worked out a really good system yes. between the three of us yes. for making sure that this show comes out every week. And I don't feel like I'm the one who has to step up and carry no. the load. And no. I mean, that hasn't always... There was a, there was a time pre-Hillary... I remember there was a summer when, because it used, because Jeremy used to edit one show a week. This is back when we were doing two shows a week. Yeah. Er, Jeremy used to do one show, and then Bobby and I would alternate the, the second show. And then Jeremy got that job at Dolly, where he was suddenly working twenty hours a week, and he couldn't do it anymore. Day twenty then, hours a day. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Twenty hours a day. I'm sorry. That's what I meant. And then Bobby, you had so much business travel that summer for some reason you just weren't available and so I was editing probably six out of eight shows a month and I was 
barely holding it together <laughs> because yeah, i was president of the choir and i was on the hoa at the time <laughs> oh my god uh, it's and like I the like, triangle i don't know, of, I don't know no. how I, if i can do this and then you know lo and behold hillary came to join us and bobby's I'm flipping my hair right now bobby's work situation really stabilized and i and i think like i don't have any complaints about how we're doing things these days i think it's really no. A pleasure to work with you both. Same. And it's um it we share the load pretty equally and and also the like hey, I like I know it's my turn, but I it, I'm whatever, work or family yeah. or whatever is crazy and nobody's going to be like, "Okay, but you owe me next." You know, there's it's not <laughs> right. a tit for tat thing. Like it's kind of like splitting a check with good friends. You're like, "Whatever, I got it. I know you're going to yep. get me back. It's not a big deal." Well, We're going to equal out. It- you're always like, I'll do it two weeks in a row. I can, I'm like, don't worry about it. For I know. sakes. I know. I know. But that's because we are all such like, will you still like me if I don't do it this week? I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I owe you everything. I'll give you my first one. One time I uh, told um, a graphic designer that I was working with that I needed something done like in 24 hours, which is not their normal time frame. And I I like told him he could have my firstborn child. And I think this guy is gay. And he's like, I, not that that precludes having kids, but he was like, I don't want kids. And I definitely do not want your daughter. <laughs> like, I'm good. I'll get it done. Don't worry about it. Just be nice to me. Just be cool. That's all I ask for you. Yeah. Just, just be cool. Yes. All right. Well, let's make a, we'll make the formalized agreement that, um, if we, uh, how do I say this? That there, there's no resentment and no owing between the three yes. of us on getting the podcast done. It's that we'll, we'll all just, just help each other along. Fist bump. Yep. Or yep. as they used to say with Obama, Michelle Obama, Barack Obama, terrorist fist bump. Remember that when oh that God. was a thing? <laughs> yeah. What was that? Co- was that the New Yorker I cover? Think so God. What was that? I don't remember. Oh, People are so fucking racist. So racist. So racist. It was only like 10 years ago and we're like, <laughs> oh my God, people were racist. <laughs> uh, so the question of the week is, who's your, speaking of Obama, who's your favorite president? Now, on, on the run sheet, it's got a capital P, but I think it's actually a lowercase p. I would be amused to hear answers that are not U.S. presidents. <laughs> oh, I assumed it was U.S. presidents for no, President's no, no, no. Day. I, I would yeah. like to hear. But, okay. Let's broaden out the definition of, you know. Could you do like prime so, ministers? We, we've done fictional presidents, haven't we? So that's. Yes. yes. Yeah. So what this is like be Bob like, Iger? Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> Like, who's your favorite, like, team president or, um, or, yeah, HOA president? Not me, that's right. I disqualify myself. Uh, you know, uh, something like that. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm open. Or I guess, you know, favorite U.S. president is also acceptable. Yes. But I like it when we have this conversation an hour and a half into the show and then we post it on Facebook and we see who listened and who didn't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, it's a test. We're going to get six test. Washingtons, three Abe Lincolns, six Obamas, and one. Uh, Michael will come know. in with an FDR. That's his favorite yeah. by a Ooh. long shot. Loves him. And then the people who will listen will be like, uh, like the presidents of the United States of America. <laughs> Peaches. I'm going to start playing that. Oh, God. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Um, oh, my God. That, speaking of 
uh, songs that your kids would be embarrassed if you started oh dancing God. to. I think I did make Rory listen to it. I was listening to a 90s mix on Spotify, and he was like, what's that? And he's reading it on, you know, on my little screen on the in the car and he's like what like mm-hmm. I don't understand peaches and it's presidents of the United States of America what is going on <laughs> my freshman news uh, roommate used to listen to pot USA and she listened to cake all oh, the time. Uh, yeah. I was just thinking yep. cake is the what goes like hand in hand uh-huh. with that because yep. it was just sort of like they're not quite parody bands but they're like kind of silly in a way but yep. sort of serious silly I don't know it was, yeah but then she yeah, also used to listen to the Gin Blossoms, which I uh, I used to make fun. And I didn't make fun of her. I just made fun of all the songs by changing the lyrics to be about jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't sound like "Hey Jealousy." It sounds like "Hey Jelly Bean." Well, my one of my friends, the pretty one that I was talking about, that always got to the front of, night, of the line, is named Chelsea. So we used to sing "Hey Chelsea." We thought it was hilarious. It wasn't. <laughs> oh God! Uh, all right, so we put misheard lyrics on the. Uh... <laughs> You know that misheard lyrics are one of the things that make me laugh the hardest when people say yeah. what they th- I I think it I don't know why it makes me like crack up always. Yeah. Ah. So least favorite president Dave Portnoy. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, that guy's so awful. Oh, yep. that's awful. <laughs> Hillary, Anytime somebody recommend- shows somebody shows me like look what I found saw funny on Instagram and it's from Barstool Sports, I'm always like, Ugh, gross. Yep. Um, yes, I have a recommendation. Uh, this was a book that I finished. Um, it, I had gotten it on um, Audible a couple of months ago and then just stopped listening to it and then picked it back up. Um, I didn't know because I'm not smart sometimes and I didn't really, I just like this author. So I thought it was a, it's called Rogues and it's by Patrick Redden Keefe, the guy that wrote Empire of Pain. So I just thought it was like another book and it's true stories of grifters, killers, rebels, and crooks. Well, so the, Ooh, as I'm re- sexy. Yeah. So as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, these don't all really fit together. This seems like a very loose, like short stories kind of. I mean, they're true stories, but like essays. And then Dave was like, no, it's just a collection of his like New Yorker um, articles. And I was like, oh. So then once I got into the like, oh, this is just like reprinting articles with some updates. I kind of got into the just like it. There were some stories that I liked way more than others. Anyway, there was one story about this one was to me. There were two that were really fascinating to me. Actually, they were both sort of semi Boston based. One was about the woman who didn't get tenure at the University of Alabama. And she shot it was like in 2010, I think. And she came in and shot up a bunch of her fellow um, professors. And then it was this discovery that she had actually killed her brother years before. But that was ruled like an accident and it was just a really interesting investigation on the investigation of this woman who's now in jail and then another one was about um the woman who um was the defense attorney for uh, one of the boston bombers well the one that like lived and she (laughs) (laughs) she is um really anti-death penalty and she represents some of like the like worst of the worst of the worst but it was really interesting talking about thinking about the death penalty, which I don't know, spoiler alert, I'm very much against. And it's not because I think that like these people aren't terrible people, but Dave and I uh, actually had sort of a, not an argument, but a discussion about like, if somebody killed one of the kids, would I want them to be put to death? And I said, I don't want that power. Like, I don't want that. I'm, I just, I, first of all, I think a worse punishment would be like, you have to be alone in a room 
for the rest of your life to like think about what you did. I just don't. And I also like they had such power in killing like my child. I don't want to also have that power. I just think it's like a disease you're passing on. Anyway, so it was it was an interesting discussion on this woman's yeah. career. It's, it's like the whole um meditation on the idea of justice versus vengeance exactly exactly what is justice what is vengeance and i think vengeance Mm -hmm. is such a a knee-jerk reaction that i try not to have in my Mm -hmm. life um anyway here's another recommendation if you want to watch the last of us there's a uh, lot about justice versus vengeance Ooh, Hmm. see now i i need to watch it i need to watch it i i don't like clusters of things so the mushroom stuff really gets me but i need to watch it (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> okay, that's it. All right. All right. Well, with that, like, I, I don't know how we go from clusters of mushrooms to <laughs> get involved with the show. <laughs> I guess we just do it. At this show it. has everything.com. And uh, visit our Facebook group where we will ask you who's your favorite president. And, you know, if you know, you know, you yep. can see the answers and feel smug that you're in on the joke with that, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, the show Twitter is still a thing, I guess. But I think I read a headline today in the Washington Post that's like, all the Twitter updates are benefiting one Twitter user. Mm. And I bet we can guess who that is. Gross. So we're out. We would rather you email us at show at gmail.com. And if you would like, send us a voice memo attached to that email. Linda we're looking at you. We really need to know mm-hmm. about that date where the person brought their mother. Unless you were the mother that was brought. In which case, <laughs> oh, that's even more interesting. God. <laughs> or you can fax Bobby your butt. He really enjoys receiving them at 617-354-8513. And the AOL keyword, as always, is T she. Thanks for joining us. Guys, we did it. We did. We said, we said, I don't know if this is going to be a very long show. I don't know that we have that much to say. We're such it. fucking idiots, God. <laughs> that was everything about our thoughts on leadership. Don't do it. Don't. don't. Just say no. <laughs> like Repurpose Reagan that said. Nancy Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches. I'm moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can, they were put there by a man in a factory downtown. And if I had my little way, I'd eat peaches every day. Sun soaking bulges in the shade. Moving to the country. Moving to the country, I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches. Moving to the country, gonna eat a lot of peaches. Moving.